steps for brands. One giant leap for brand kind. You're listening to Food Chain, presented by Perfy. A big thank you to this episode's sponsor, Triple Whale. Triple Whale's powerful analytics platform clarifies your ad performance across channels, keeping you instantly in the know. Hit the link in the show notes and use promo code PERFY for 15% off today. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Food Chain, presented by Triple Whale. Today, we have Delisa Harper from Funky Mellow on the show. Thanks for joining us, Delisa. Hi, thanks for having me. Lisa, tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you got to where you are today. Sure. So I run the company with, with my husband, uh, Zach, and we started a company about, I think, 2018 or so. Um, but a little background about me before we started that company is I was born in Minnesota. We kind of trickled our way down to Houston, and I, I've lived there since I was four Growing up, we we were all about food, especially cleaner food. My parents are are vegetarian, so I grew up with just uh, that sense of just making sure that we get the right nourishment from our diet. We also experimented in the kitchen a lot. So aside from foodies, though, professionally, I do have a corporate background. I came from the tech world. I had I have like a decade of experience in marketing and kind of dabbled in different things. So when I met my husband, we met through a music festival, actually. And it was nice because it was kind of like a self-discovery moment. And we decided to kind of do this fun, exciting venture together. So yeah, that's just a little bit about how I started and how we met. Awesome. Which music festival? It is called Middlelands. So okay. I don't know if you're familiar. They It was like a one and done, but I'm so glad that I caught it when they appeared. Ooh. I wonder what the statistical odds of meeting your uh, your <laughs> husband or wife at a at a one and done music show is, but oh, yeah. is, very slim. Is, is that one of the ones where you, you get all dressed up like uh, Mad Max or what kind of what kind of festival? <laughs> yeah, it's it was a, a, an electric music Ooh. festival, so super fun, and it was actually only like forty minutes down the road from where I live, so I definitely had to jump on board. It's a good time. Everyone kind of just dresses up and, you know, whatever they want. And you are very accepted. And it's all about dancing and making connections. Love it. You said you had a, a decade of marketing experience or you, you have not had. How does having that sort of experience help you when you start your own venture? I think it's helped so much. I head our, like all of our marketing efforts that we do right now. So when it comes to like the social media campaigns and the email, and even like the events and everything, which a lot of my expertise comes from events specifically. So having to do food events is even more fun than doing techie things because that's kind of where my passion is. It's given me a great background to know exactly how to execute things the way I want to and plan ahead and figure out what works and how to measure results and all that fun stuff. So yeah, it's kind of cool. It's like a dream come true. Okay. <laughs> How many people are on the team? Is it really just you and your husband? We have one other team member. His name is Blake. Blake joined only, I think, a couple months ago. So super, super new. It's just the three of us. Love it. I think there's a song called Just the Three of Us or something. <laughs> so how did you, like, when you got this going, so there was some sort of like, probably like a defining moment when 
you said, Hey, I'm going to do my own thing. Did you know before that, that it would be funky mellow? Did, were you thinking of several different things and you landed on it? How did that work out? That's a great question. An awesome story. So Zach actually has an entrepreneurial, I'd say spirit. His parents were both entrepreneurs as well. So I guess it's kind of just the the perfect storm when we met and, you know, we were being adventurous, going to music festivals, et cetera. And we just wanted to do something together that we created food in the kitchen all the time. So being able to think of something that we can do and turn into like a, a little hustle, you know, at farmer's markets was really intriguing to us. So we started there and really just wanted to see if people liked what we did back then. It was Rice Krispie Treats. And the reason why we chose Rice Krispie Treats was because it's very nostalgic. You know, everyone has had marshmallows or Krispie Treats as a kid. And actually, the deeper story is when we go out to eat, it's really, really hard to find like good food, good dessert specifically, whatever you have dietary restrictions, allergies, you know, what have you. So, you know, getting tired of like fruit and sorbet, I came across a, a crispy treat. It was very, very plain, but I had it and it was something different and it was really tasty. But I wanted to put a different spin on said crispy treat. And so we started cooking different flavors like strawberry champagne and dark chocolate cherry, pistachio, just a bunch of cool flavors and wanted to kind of test the waters and people loved it. So it kind of, it took off from there. That's so awesome. How long were you on the farmer's market circuit before you were like, hey, this can be something a bit larger? I think it, we started so like 2018 or so. We probably did it for a good like year and a half. I think before we were like, okay, we we need to share this with more people than just the local farmers markets. We wanted to turn this into something that could at least be sold online and see where it went. I like it. I like it. And who was your first retailer when you decided to go and expand beyond the, the farmers markets? Oh man. So Zach is is he has sales, so I'm sure he knows this clearly. So I think we we started doing a the smaller like boutique type stores. Mm-hmm. And I guess I'll back up a bit. So after the crispy treats, we did try to make vegan marshmallows, but we realized that it did take a lot of, I think, really expensive equipment to make them shelf stable for a store. So we did pivot to the cream, which is what we sell today. And that was our sweet spot. So we're very happy to have landed here. I'd say with the marshmallows though, which is when we first hit stores, a few stores come to mind in Austin. We have like, you know, a tiny grocer, I think. It's an eclectic store in the city in Austin. We had Rabbit Food Grocery. We're still in there today. So she gave us a shot and uh, Royal Blue as well. So a lot of the eclectic neighborhood stores and some of the vegan stores were very interested because there's not really too much out there when it comes to vegan marshmallows. So we did have an edge on that. Like the other startup founders that may be listening into this, there's always like, there seems to always be some sort of friction with buyers in terms of do they understand the product? I know you mentioned Zach's the you know, salesperson, but do you remember there being anything that you guys had to overcome in terms of objections when speaking to buyers? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's always kind of like a tough lesson, but it's definitely necessary. I think with our product specifically, 
we did have to make a few pivots because getting our shelf life over like six month mark or, or at the six month mark at least was, was because we didn't want, we wanted to keep it really clean. So it was very important for us to maintain the integrity of our product and, and the ingredients while trying to have a shelf life that buyers liked. The flavor was great, but we needed it to have some time so that we can sell it off the shelf. So that was kind of a, a point where we had to keep testing. And I think we had some food scientists as well, just help us figure out how to extend that. And we we are at six months today. So that's helpful. And it's made conversations a lot easier because we are like, I say that we create like a new category because people have heard of marshmallows. They've heard of marshmallow cream that's shelf stable, but they haven't quite heard of a refrigerated plant-based marshmallow cream. So we are typically in like where the cookie doughs are and the puddings and the whipped cream areas are in stores. And because we are like a new product, new category, we had to really convince people that there's a demand for this product. And we had to educate them on the ways that people would use it. And sure enough, like as soon as like the smaller stores gave us a shot, it gave us a little more proof to go to the bigger stores and say, look, like this is actually working. And we are able to run forward with that. And it's been easier to get into stores now that we have a little bit more traction. I love it. I saw somewhere on the site, all these different ways of using it. And I think it's so cool to show the versatility of it. I saw it it on a bagel with some nut butter. What are some of the other ways that you can use it for folks who maybe run across it at the shelf and they're curious how the use cases work for them? Yeah. So uh, coffee is a huge one. And that one I actually came across like just out of curiosity because I am a solid customer of our own product. I think I eat it every day. <laughs> I'm obsessed with it. So I, it's no problem to be an advocate of, of that. But yeah, I, I just put a dollop of it in my coffee and I saw it kind of like it foam up. So it created like an instant latte and it added the sweet and the cream. So you can replace the sugar and the milk with a scoop of the cream or however much to your liking. And that's like a huge thing because people, especially in the US, they're like... <laughs> Coffee is like an obsession. So to say that you can have cream to make things easier with coffee and even taste better, that definitely hit the home run with like being like a daily use. So I say coffee, dipping it in fruit or with fruit. So like strawberries or anything tart to complement it would be awesome. If you're familiar with fluffernut or sandwiches, it's kind of similar to what you mentioned. It's like white bread with peanut butter typically and a marshmallow cream. So it's a salty, sweet snack and uh, ice cream. We say you can top it on ice cream as well. So the possibilities are endless, really. Some people just like to eat it with a spoon. Yeah, that was literally my next question. (laughs) (laughs) The cookie marshmallow cream looks fantastic. Thank you. Um, So we talked about, you know, other kind of educating around the new category that you're creating. And, you know, people know what marshmallow cream is, but there hasn't been a a plant-based version of it. I would have never known that marshmallow cream isn't vegan? Is it like gelatin or something that's in there that that makes it not vegan? Yeah. So um, in marshmallow cream or marshmallow fluff specifically, there's egg whites in there that create the fluff. In your traditional marshmallows, like the solid marshmallows, it is gelatin and that's what helps keep them solid. So yeah, uh, if you're not familiar with gelatin, it is not a very pretty story as to how that came to be. It's made with like animal ligaments and bones and all the discarded stuff that you probably shouldn't be eating. (laughs) Wow. I've never even once in my life have considered what 
how do you make a marshmallow or how do you make marshmallow cream? <laughs> Didn't know that there was animal products in it. Yeah. A lot of people don't. And we actually get that question a lot at demos. Like I thought it was already vegetarian or vegan. I was like, ah, we can educate you. <laughs> That's super weird. The gelatin weirds me out. Like I'm cool with egg whites, it, yeah. but gelatin, I, I didn't know it was such a nasty process. I don't think we, um, if you're open to it, why don't we? Do you want to go into the, the grossness of the process or do you want to kind of skip that one? <laughs> I mean, I think if people just like search gelatin and how it's made or what's in it, I think they probably get the hint, but typically they use out of the process, but they do use like cow and pig bones and tendons and all of that stuff to kind of grind it up. And then it becomes like, I guess, a, a gelatinous form. And people put that in like jello or, you know, it's made from jello. Jello is made from gelatin, you know, add sugar. And then you have like this chewy stuff, but it's not necessarily the best to eat because people don't know where it originated from. So Luckily, these days, there are a whole bunch of alternatives to use, like aquafaba, which is what we use for our fluff. And that is actually made from chickpeas or garbanzo beans. When you cook the beans, it's the leftover liquid. And it's called aquafaba, and it fluffs up just like an egg white. So we like that way better. Aquafaba. I just had to pull up the site to see what was going on there. A-Q-U-A-F-A-B-A for anybody listening. That's right. Wow, I didn't even know that was a thing. All right. So what are some of the like breakthroughs that you had when you maybe started your, your business? And what were one of those for me? Like I always have like these days where it's just this week, they were like, damn, today is one of the tough ones. This is probably like 99th percentile of tough. And then all, all of a sudden, you know, the tides shifted and it ended up becoming like the best day. What were some of those moments where like with your company that became the best day, like one of those breakthroughs? Huh. Let's see. I'd have to say getting into Whole Foods was probably one of at least my proudest moments. And Zach can probably relate as well because they were the first like large retail store that picked us up. And the buyer actually reached out to us after we went through one of our accelerator programs. So it was super exciting. And I almost couldn't even believe it. Like I had to do some research to make sure that this was actually a buyer from Whole Foods. And it just, it made all the hard work and everything so worth it. I think at that point we had launched the cream only like a few months before that. So it was a pretty big deal to get to that point. That had to have been so awesome. Was it, was it nationwide? No, we're actually uh, just locally in Austin right now. So we're in seven stores. That's definitely our goal in the near future is to hit at least the region and then expand nationwide. Still a win. That's awesome just to be in the door. It's so cool. Yeah, thank you. And what were some of the ones where like, have you ever, it almost sounds rhetorical, but what are some of the challenges that you've gone through? Like, What's a, a, a fun hindsight story about a challenge that you went through that you overcame? I would say, I think probably it has to do a lot with like scaling up and you know, being a startup, you're kind of scrappy. So you have to work with the small amount of money that you have to start. And at the same time, while you're getting traction, like that takes a lot of money as well. So having to figure out like where to put your resources into. So prioritize that and eventually just, you know, make sure that you're not kind of disrupting your process or of production while you are scaling up. It is a lot of trial and error, but if you are 
able to kind of take a step back and understand like the goals that you want to put towards your business. And it kind of helps you prioritize. So just a lot of those conversations amidst like, you know, seeing if we wanted to have investors and making sure we have like the right traction to show with those investors. And, you know, it's just, it's like a juggling act. A business in general is a juggling act. There's so much that can go wrong, but then there's also so much that's like entirely rewarding and so worth it. So it's, yeah, I think it's kind of like a game. (laughs) It puts a lighthearted spin on it, but it's serious and it's fun. I can relate to that. I kind of treat it as a video game. I always, both marketing and for me, I found that running Perfius is very similar. Like in most video games, I always think of like Link or Zelda, where you start out with a wooden sword and a wooden shield. And as you level up, you start getting the metal ones, then you can start getting armor. And all of a sudden you got like the cool boots and stuff or like the, yeah. the, dang, the flutes or the ocarinas. It's definitely as challenging. It's a high risk, high reward, high stakes game. It's like a tale of two worlds of ups, extreme ups, extreme downs. And it's, I think the, first I think the way to get through is to never, never get too high, never get too low and try to have that balance of just maintaining your sanity, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's been so helpful to have like mentors in our corner that have been through something similar like this, or, you know, even being a part of like different accelerator programs that gave us access to other resources or exposure, meeting Whole Foods and Weedsville, which is a local co-op here, which we'd love to be a part of and different things. So just networking in general, it all has helped us get to where we've been, but I can't thank my partner enough, Zach, because we really balance each other. He's the kind of like the force, the visionary, like he has the amazing ideas and I'm like the planner and executor. And I, you know, I kind of attack it with a a little bit of logic and together we kind of, we create a really good balance and making these decisions and navigating the the tricky waters of having a business. So you you brought up a few things there. I'm going to go into uh, dig deeper one at a time. The first one is mentors. How did you identify them? And how have you leveraged them to help you get through things that they have already been through, but you haven't necessarily been through? Mm-hmm. So we came from a couple of accelerators, one of them being SKU. I'm not sure if you're familiar, but they help startups in the CPG industry. And then another one, Impact Ventures, which is one that is based in Dallas and they focus on tech uh, startups, but then with the year that we were in there, they actually had food or CPG people in there. So that was really exciting. These groups already had amazing networks that we can tap into when we were part of these programs. And all we had to do was identify like the areas that we thought were challenging and we needed some help with, and then they kind of matched us with the different experts that could help us grow in the way we wanted to grow. So that was a huge aid in getting our strategy right. On top of that, we have such a, a broad array of like backgrounds with the mentors we have. I think we have like, I want to say we're like close to eight, maybe 10 <laughs> mentors, a lot of them. Some of them we meet with regularly, others we just reach out when we need to. But it's great because they're kind of like in our back pocket when we're dealing with distributors, you know, that's kind of a scary world, making sure that our, you know, our pricing is set up and our packaging is like, you know, sturdy enough to handle a middleman. So we were paired with a few 
mentors that either came from a startup or they worked in a corporation that specifically had eyes on that department or they were, you know, they were familiar with how to get through the challenges there and safeguard yourself. So just having those conversations and being very transparent about where we were and where we're trying to go and ultimately from their end as well, hearing their stories and taking their advice to heart. I don't think we would have been where we are without that kind of help. I love it. How did you initially hear about SKU and how do you be a part of it? One, I'm familiar with them, but for those who are listening who may not be familiar or need help navigating the waters, how do you become a part of it and how did you hear about it? So this was actually during the time of, I think, like the year of COVID kind of bursting into the scene, like early 2020. And there was a group actually called Naturally Austin that we were a part of. And we discovered Naturally Austin, which they're an organization locally that's a part of a bigger network nationwide, but they help provide resources for and networking for uh, CPGs or local CPGs to the city that they're in. So we heard about them through Zach's previous job with EPAC, which is a packaging company. And so EPAC was very much invested in the businesses in that network. And so we were connected that way to Naturally Network. And then through there, we went through a minority-owned fellowship program where they taught us like the you know, how to handle our finances and accounting and, you know, the different kind of ground level skills that you would need as a business owner. And then there were a few of us that were selected from that program to then apply into SKU. And at the time, SKU, uh, they had a minority owned, like focused cohort that they were recruiting for. So Sure enough, we were recommended to apply and and we got in with like nine or 10 other brands. And it was a thing like a, like a three month program. And we had a showcase at the end of it. And through that showcase, that's how we met the different buyers or, you know, potential investors with the community and with that. So yeah, it was kind of just like a progressive process all the way through and learned a lot. So I'm glad that we came into it at the time that we did. Beautiful. And this is a question that I get asked quite a bit. So I'm going to ask you, when you participate in an accelerator or if you have mentors slash advisors, what does that look like in terms of payment or equity or none of the above or all of the above? So fortunate for us, it is none. We don't have terms or anything like where we're giving equity out right now and no payment either. So this was kind of all like pro bono work that they're doing. So we're super grateful for it. I think it has helped us kind of line ourselves up for when we do bring on investors and getting connected to like the right groups. So we can start talking about like what it looks like when we do have a strategic partner and how much equity we are willing to give for that. I think at the time that we're going through the accelerator, it was way too soon for us to have the equity conversation because we had just started our business. I think SKU, typically they do take equity, but we were fortunate enough with our minority-owned cohort that they didn't take equity from our group. 
So we could postpone those conversations. Got it. So we covered the mentor part. We covered the accelerator part. I want to get into your business partner also being your life partner. Mm-hmm. Is that, I think most people think that it's probably extremely tough. Some probably say it's a breeze. What has it been like for you guys? So tough and also a breeze. <laughs> all <laughs> the above. <laughs> it's all the above. It's a rainbow of uh, of emotions, but the highs definitely beat the lows. I think we, we're so grateful that it's not just one of us doing this because I honestly, I, I don't even know. I couldn't even fathom like if I would even have my sanity at this point or want to keep going because it is so tough. But as I mentioned earlier, the fact that we, we have different qualities that balance each other, especially when it comes to running a business, but also personally to where we can be very comfortable and confident in doing the things we need to do to have the business be successful. So I'm, I'm very grateful for that, but it definitely doesn't come easy. And we still have our little struggles because we are human and mainly it has taught us to just be very communicative. And this is always a work in progress, but we just having to be a strong unit, we have to communicate about more things than we're probably comfortable with and also have some structure, whether it's like a, a business meeting in the kitchen on every Monday, just to kind of talk about updates or challenges or priorities instead of, you know, at the breakfast table, blending it with our personal life, making sure that we can separate the two so that we can, you know, close the work stuff and then come back and then just enjoy each other outside of that. It's the work-life balance, the communication, and ultimately it's just being very humble when we face certain challenges together. We have to remember that we're on the same team. So the arguments of like, you know, I want it this way, I want it that way. We have to be very methodical and remind ourselves that like, okay, we're both trying to help and come from a good approach. We just have to hear each other out. So it takes a little more effort, I think, but it's worth it because it's more of a well-rounded result. Do you guys have like rules around when to shut off from work or is it a 24-7 thing whenever work comes up, it's work or what's that look like? We are actually just now trying to create some rules. <laughs> <laughs> it's been like four years in and yeah, we're, we're at the point where we want to have like a set time, probably like when we leave the kitchen, we've actually been pretty good the last few weeks of just like shutting down the laptop unless something urgent comes up, which, you know, there's always something, but shutting it down or prioritizing it for another day has been something we've been practicing, like probably around like six or seven. And then on top of that, making sure that we schedule a block of time, like in our calendars to like have social time or to have like me time or, you know, just anything to kind of just take care of yourself because things get pretty crazy and your calendar gets booked up so quickly if you don't put those things in there first. So we're, we're just now starting to understand that that's what it takes to effectively run a business. Love it. I think those things really help in it. For me, I think that I live with my girlfriend of five years and she works at my agency and she also helps out with some perfect things on the marketing side. My, my whole agency does. And I think that it is important. Sometimes we lack in terms of communication or we're just like walking past each other so much where we forget to even talk about personal things or work things. Either way, I I think that it could be a a positive thing. I think in the grand scheme of things, it's brought us closer and it also helps with, you know, career things. I think that it's super helpful for 
I call them repetitions, you know, getting different reps in different areas really helps out overall in, in your career. So I think it's been fun for the most part for me in a, a similar situation. I agree. Fun fact, Zach and I actually, we started our business like within the first six months of dating. <laughs> so, uh, so like this business is really like, I feel like it's a part of our identity, like singly and like together. So we really do put like our all into it, but also we enjoy it. We enjoy doing this together. It's super rewarding and like no one else can understand what we're going through except for each other. So it brings us together. It's been great. It's been great doing it with my partner. Love it. Well, Delisa, where can everyone find you? Not just uh, Funky Mellow, but you on social or LinkedIn or all of those good things. Yeah. So me personally, I am on LinkedIn. I think you can find me on as like Delisa Tweets, I think is my, or not Delisa Links. I had a Twitter too. I don't use it anymore. <laughs> Delisa Links was that. But I think my name is either Delisa Johnson or Delisa Harper on there. I have a Facebook. I don't really use it much. But if you want to reach me, hello at funkymellow.com is a good email address for me. And the social media. So either Zach or I will respond on Instagram or Facebook through the, the handle Funky Mellow. And we, uh, we're happy to talk to anyone that wants to reach out. I'll link them all. I think it's funky underscore mellow. Yeah. M-E-L-L. It is. Yep. On Instagram, it's underscore M-E-L-L-O. And then on Facebook, there's no underscore because we got the original one on Facebook. So it's just F-U-N-K-Y-M-E-L-L-O. Awesome. Yeah. I'll link to all these just in case. And then one last thing before we, we finish up, what are some things that you're looking forward to on the horizon in 2023? Oh, there's so many things. We're looking forward to creating more opportunities. So just like what we did with Blake, um, he's been amazing at helping us with production. We want to expand our team, having someone help, you know, me with marketing and Zach with sales so that we can focus on more of the development and operation side, I think is on the horizon. Getting into more stores, we do have some really fun launches coming up. On the 28th, we're going to launch in 205 Sprouts this year. Yeah, so this is it's a holiday run. So we'll be like their premier marshmallow in their stores. And if things go really well, which we're very hopeful, you know, you can probably see us do it again next year, uh, maybe even bigger. We also are talking to some other large retailers for next year. So you can keep your eyes out for other exciting launches that are coming out. And uh, we're always testing new flavors. So we just create like a pumpkin spice flavor that you can find on funkymellow.com along with banana and cherry that are seasonal. And I'm actually about to test a mint flavor for the holidays. And if that goes really well, you might see it in stores next year, but we're going to, we're going to do some fun stuff on the website and yeah, just continue to, to keep the, the good vibes going. That's so exciting. I'll be sure to link to your store locator when this um, mm -hmm. goes live so people can find the sprouts that's near them. For sure. Yeah. I actually just finished putting in all the stores and the locator manually last night. So I'm very excited. <laughs> I'm very excited about that. <laughs> uh, very cool. Simon and Brandon and Raquel on our team, I think regardless of which store locator app you use, they might be able to show you how to do it in bulk so you don't have to do it as manually next time. Yeah, no, for sure. I, um, I actually imported them in batches. So uh, I was able to do it, but you know, it still takes a little bit of time to when you get a store list from a retailer, it's not exactly the yeah. format that you need to put it in. Yeah. 
fear app. So that I was just kind of going back and forth between that. And, you know, it's a, it's definitely work, but I feel very uh, accomplished. So there's that. (laughs) Congratulations again. And and thank you for joining us, Delisa. Thank you so much for having me. I had fun. All righty. Take care.